Songbirds Guitar Museum, a guitar-oriented pop culture experience for the whole family, is now open at the historic Chattanooga Choo Choo. Come experience the beauty and evolution of the guitar. Discover the origins of rock and roll from gospel to blues and jazz to R&B to the sounds of Motown and the invasion of the British. See and hear the impact of surf music and raw acoustic music of country, bluegrass, and folk. Each Songbirds Guitar Museum exhibit features the guitars that made the music as well as the stories and artists that brought them to life. You are listening to Open Mic Spotlight with Heather Lee Holt. Open Mic Spotlight is a weekly podcast featuring intimate conversations and performances with musicians and artists from Chattanooga and the surrounding areas. Take a closer look at all the wonderful talent and culture the Chattanooga music scene has to offer. Welcome to another episode of Open Mic Spotlight. I am your host, Heather Lee Holt. Today, we have Butch Ross here. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here on this Sunday afternoon. You play all kind of music mm-hmm. with a lot of different people. Yes. Yes. I have seen you probably most at Tremont Tavern Open Mic Nights. Right. But you do all kinds of stuff, including you played with Amber Foltz. And I know this because I recorded her last week. Right. Tell us about some of the other things that you do, music-wise. Right. So up until last summer, we were in a band with Amber and I. Everybody that was in that band, Haley Graham, Travis Kilgore, and Hunter White, we all met at the Tremont Open Mic. So Mm -hmm. that's really... And she talked about it on her podcast, how you guys met and stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's really how that started. So uh, that was pretty awesome. You know, I've played with Ryan Oyer a little bit in the past and a bunch of other folks. But generally what I do when I'm in town or even when I'm not in town, is is a solo act. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on the road a lot. I do this full-time, and a lot of what I do is dulcimer festivals, folk festivals, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that stuff I usually do by myself. My mountain dulcimer is my primary instrument, and if anybody in, in town knows me, that's how they know me. That's how I know you. Yeah, there's another guy in town who's really, really good, but it's probably as popular as the instrument has ever been yeah. in its history, and it's still really, really obscure. Mm-hmm. It is. A lot of people don't even know what it is. And, you know, for those who don't know, it, it looks like a stretched-out fiddle, basically, that you play on your lap, and it's got three strings, four strings sometimes, but two are played like a mandolin at the same time. So it's really a a three-string instrument. And then it's used for playing traditional folk music, old mountain music. It comes out of the Appalachian Mountains, and that's the music that generally got played on it. I use it to play like, you know, Stairway to Heaven and stuff, but that's generally what other (laughs) other people use it for. It's a beautiful instrument. And you, when you're not doing your solo stuff, what bands are you with right now? I'm actually not playing with anybody right now, right this second. Right now... In the very, very final stages of finishing up an album. And so that'll be the next. That's, that's the focus. That's the focus. Mm-hmm. That and then the, there'll be a CD release party on March 11th at Barking Legs. Ooh. So putting all of that together is. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Barking Legs is such a beautiful venue for that kind of thing. It's a great room. It's a really, really great room. And I've not had the chance to play there since they did the remodel. Mm-hmm. I, I love everything that they've done with it. So. It sounds so great. Because of this new record is a bunch of stuff that I've done over the years in different ways, some of it is going to be videos. 
Ooh. And some of it I'll do with a band, some of it I'll do with a loop pedal, and some of it I can just do solo. So All in that night? Yeah. So it'll be kind of like a multimedia kind of thing. Yes. Not like your normal release. That's pretty cool. I've always been interested in that kind of stuff anyways. Yeah. So... All of the listeners who don't know what dulcimer is is probably like dying to hear the dulcimer. <laughs> and you have a couple of different kinds of dulcimers here. They're small, for one thing. Mm-hmm. The instrument was made to be to be retuned. Like back in the day, they had violin pegs, not like geared tuners. And you would change the melody string because it's tuned basically to a scale. If I just play all the frets in order. It's a diatonic instrument. It's got a couple of extra frets, a couple of extra mm-hmm. notes, but generally speaking. So I have this one with me, which is tuned to uh, DAD, which is a pretty standard tuning. And then this one is tuned to all Cs. Oh. And that's a very traditional way of tuning it. Mm-hmm. Let me play something I wrote on this. This is a little instrumental tune I wrote called Bird Watching. So are you doing, like, pull-offs with your fingers, too? Yeah, I mean, I was a guitar player before I played dulcimer, so even though it sits on your lap, a lot of those kind of techniques mm-hmm. lend themselves. Yeah, and that was called bird-watching. Bird-watching. What got you into the dulcimer? It's such a weird thing. I used to live in Philadelphia, and when I lived in Philadelphia, I had a roommate who was also a folk musician, mm-hmm. and you probably do this even. You know, you play guitar for a while, and then you want to get another instrument just to bang around. Since I lived with this folk music, we already had the banjo and the accordion and the ukulele and the mandolin. And so you wanted to do something different. I thought it was neat. 
Mm-hmm. I, I like the weird string arrangements. I like the fact they had that diatonic fretboard, and I just thought it was an interesting sounding instrument. And then I got it, and I just started playing with it, and I just found that I liked playing with it more than I liked playing tar or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would go out and play gigs or play with mics too, and same story. This would be the thing anybody wanted to talk about. You know, what was that instrument? Because it's so different. Yeah. And it was just enjoyable, and I probably overplay on guitar a little bit. And so this forces me to kind of call that back. And then also, I can do anything I want with it, because at the end of the day, it it still ends up sounding like a dulcimer. Mm -hmm. So it's just a big prism, and I can play whatever I feel like. That's so awesome. It's so fun. Were you born in Philadelphia then? I was born in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in, in the middle, uh, in the middle of nowhere, actually. I lived there for about eight years, and then when I was in grad school, I met Dan Landrum, and that's how I ended up in Chattanooga, because he lives up on Signal, mm-hmm. and is just a huge cheerleader for this town, so... Yeah. I went, no, I didn't. I went to school for folk studies. Oh, very cool. When I was in grad school, Dan would invite me down for holidays and stuff, and I'd meet all these people. He'd always invite us down, and there would always be some musical thing going on. Mm-hmm. And then I would meet people who were here, who were musicians, and I'd ask them, what's it like to live here? And they'd be like, it's amazing, you should move here. <laughs> right? I lived eight years in Philadelphia. No one ever said that to me. Yeah. Those words in that order. Uh-huh. <laughs> So that was it. I thought, well, why not? This is one of the few times in my life I'll be able to decide where I live. So why not? So how many years ago was that when you moved 2007. Oh, you've been here for a long time. Mm -hmm. You've seen the city completely change almost. It was well on its way. Mm -hmm. Create Here was here already. And a lot of the redevelopment of the South Side wasn't anything like it was like it is now. And I moved here mostly just because of the sheer opportunities to be able to play music. And you can get everywhere so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I used to street perform at the aquarium. Out there in the middle, uh-huh. and any of the stuff that I do with with loop pedals or whatever came out of that. You were there for four hours. You weren't trying to entertain anybody. Like people were walking around, eating whatever, yeah. and kids splashing around in the so lake. So you're not worried about boring anyone. You know, everyone's just listening and enjoying it while they enjoy everything well, else. Well, what was amazing was I would just make stuff up, and I would be able to gauge how good whatever I was making up was going literally by how far away they would stand. Oh. So, you know, you'd start, and everybody would be in the food court, and they'd be walking around, and, you know, and if you were doing something that works, you. by the time the end of it, they would literally be standing right next to you. That's so awesome. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, a really fortunate, amazing experience. Who put yeah. that on? That used to be Chattanooga Downtown Partnership, the people who do Chattanooga Presents now. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like what some is trying to do with their busking street performers? It is, yeah. The aquarium thing just happened at the aquarium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be very surprised if Dan Landrum hadn't played a role in making that happen, too. Yeah. What Stratton's trying to do with the busking here is to, I think, there's so many more of us doing it now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's just trying to make that a thing that, that's just a part of being in this town. He's yeah. just trying to make that a normal. Do you know any covers on the dulcimer? I play covers more than anything else on the dulcimer, yeah. actually. Because when I first started to play this instrument, I didn't know anything about the kind of music that actually gets played on it. So I use covers as a way to just learn what the instrument does and how to play it. I'll use covers as a way to kind of help myself advance as a player, to teach myself things on the instrument. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a Beatles song now. This one's actually going to be on the new record. This is While My Guitar Gently Weeps. (laughs) ¶¶ 
was crazy good. Thank you. Wow. I'm used to, uh, I was just, you know, we were talking about the Tremont there. I'm used to hearing that coming out of speakers, not in a super quiet oh, room. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's one of the ones, that's, that's, that's a song that I would have played a lot at the Tremont to see if it floats, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? See if, see if my arrangement of it is something that would actually work. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, that's a good, good arrangement, though. It's, Thanks. It's nice. I feel like it's a cover of a cover because I think it borrows really a lot from Jake Shimabukuro, the ukulele guy who did that song. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like my my version is almost his version, mm-hmm. uh, his arrangement more than than the actual song or whatever. But it's fun to play. Yeah, it looks um, fun to play. <laughs> I think fingers are gonna catch on fire. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, I treat this like a percussion instrument yeah, sometimes. I it think it is. It's so. very percussive. One of my favorite quotes was, uh, I played this song, actually. Um, one night at the Tremont, I played this song, and then I was outside talking to Ryan Oyer, and, uh, and this guy came up and this guy came up and said, man, I've never seen a dulcimer played before, and Ryan goes, you still haven't. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Pretty good. So. so who, do you look up to any particular adults from people? Sure. There's, um, uh, there was a guy named David Schnaufer uh, who passed away a few years ago and was probably, he's probably the guy responsible for making this the instrument that it is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, before him then, of course, was Gene Ritchie, uh, who, whose father played it and she came from the mountains and she moved, you know, to, uh, She's part of the folk, the first folk boom, and, and she moved to New York in the 50s, and that's where she met Pete Seeger and people like that. And nobody, I don't think anybody would even know what this instrument is if she hadn't brought it out of the mountains, mm-hmm. you know. So that's, um, and then. Uh, Do you want to give us a little, like, folk history lesson on it? Folk history? Like the short version? Well, the short version is we all know. The oldest one of these probably dates back to 1790. Mm-hmm. There's got some ancestors that live in the uh, Scandinavia. Interesting, Germany, some parts of France, uh, the, the border Germany, uh, and then you can find it in Scandinavia, you can find it in, in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but it's, it's not in England, it's not in Ireland, it's not in, it's not in Scotland, despite the fact that most of the music that would have traditionally been played on it can actually be traced back to there. So you have this mm-hmm. instrument uh, that's just built for playing, you know. Uh, you're that, or, you know. Uh, that's how the instrument's normally played, and... and um, and it really lends it, and all of these songs that we play can be traced back through the British Isles. Cecil B, uh, Cecil Sharp, and and child ballads, and all of that stuff. Uh, but you can't find any ancestors of the instrument literally before like 1960, mm-hmm. something like that. Wow. So, and it comes out of the mountains. They made it out of what they had lying around. So there's all kinds of different woods, all kinds of different designs mm-hmm. to it. And none of this stuff was written down, so we don't really know. 
very much about it at all, except that, except that Jean Ritchie showed up in New York one day, and she had she had one, you know. Um, it shows up in places you wouldn't expect it to. Uh, Case of You by Joni Mitchell, that's Mountain Dulcimer. Um, uh, Cindy Lauper plays Mountain Dulcimer. <laughs> she played time after time on one on American Idol, and uh, a couple of, couple of years ago. Um, and then uh, it, it, in the early 70s, it had this little bit of resurgence because of a guy named Richard Farina, mostly. But, like, the Rolling Stones used it on a song. Um, Peter Frampton used it on the demos for Baby, I Love Your Way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and so it's been, it's in there. It's, it shows up every once in a while. Yeah. You know, s- some kid. Uh, in California, about two years ago, put up a video of him playing uh, "Wrecking Ball," the Miley Cyrus song, on one. So, is it on YouTube? Got a lot of views. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple million easily. Wow. Yeah. It's so. crazy. That's so awesome. Um, do you want to play another one of yours on it? Um, do, do you do any one uh, loops with that one? I do sometimes. But you're going to do loops. When I loop, I tend to move more than one instrument. Oh, I tend okay. to, so. Um, we can save that then. I'll do the next cover I'll do with uh, with loops. Okay. Um, yeah, let me play another. Um, yeah, let me play this one. This is called uh, The Instrument Builder's House. Is this yours? It is.
practice that one in a minute, but... That's good. Okay. My foot was tapping all the time. Songbirds Guitar Museum, a guitar-oriented pop culture experience for the whole family, is now open at the historic Chattanooga Choo Choo. Come experience the beauty and evolution of the guitar. Discover the origins of rock and roll from gospel to blues and jazz to R&B to the sounds of Motown and the invasion of the British. See and hear the impact of surf music and raw acoustic music of country, bluegrass, and folk. Each Songbirds Guitar Museum exhibit features the guitars that made the music, as well as the stories and artists that brought them to life. Let's dive into the open mic talk. Okay. Because you have been in the scene for quite a long time, even though you're not so much anymore as much as you used to be. Yeah, well, I'm not in town as much as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you're traveling a lot for music, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you first came to Chattanooga, you started with open mics, and that's how you like Absolutely, built, yeah, got yeah. it to the scene? So when I came here, there was the Tremont open mic, and then there was also one at JJ's, mm-hmm. Bohemia, on Wednesdays. I think I went to JJ's first, because it was closest to where I lived at the time, and that's where I met Stephen Bates. And then I went to the Tremont. Billy didn't introduce me to anybody. <laughs> he introduced himself to me, and then he pointed to everybody in the room and, you know, and said, that's, that's Tiffany Taylor, and that's Mike McDade, and that's Danny Rogers, and that's... He just labeled everyone for you. Yeah, and, and it was awesome, though. It was, mm-hmm. he, you know, he gave me a nice little rundown of who was whom. Who's um, who in the open mic scene exactly. of Tremont Tavern. <laughs> exactly. I just kept coming and kept bringing stuff and trying stuff out and working on the act and, and all of that. And I'm pretty sure everyone I know in town I've met through the Tremont open mic. And certainly, I would argue that in this city anyways, most people who know who I am know me from that. That's how I know you. Yeah, see? <laughs> what Ryan had said, and I thought was spot on, was that there are waves of people that kind of come through open mics. And I remember one of the last times... I played a three months open mic. I had been going to it, but I hadn't been playing at it. I was just going and hanging out and talking to everybody. I must have had a gig coming up, so I actually played the open mic, and I did what I do, and it went over really, really well. And I realized that I was playing to a room full of people who were hearing me for the first time. It wasn't like, oh, there's Butch again. It's Mm -hmm. like, wow, who is that guy? I've Mm -hmm. never seen him before. Because, again, it was like Ryan put it, it was almost like that class had graduated. Yeah. And now there was a new class of people. You know, what's amazing about the Tremont as a bar is that if you go there every Tuesday, you'll start to see familiar faces. And if you go on Wednesday, you won't see any of those people. It's great. Yeah. It's definitely a neighborhood bar for every type of person in this town. Yeah. There's a different night for everyone. All of it is is really well done. You know, uh, Dustin is an absolute true music lover, and he mm-hmm. really supports music in this town. He's doing that with the feed, too, which is yeah. awesome. Well, you know, in 1887, I mean, Miguel's kind of running everything now, but, but Dustin was involved with that when it got started, too. Mm-hmm. But he's figured out a way that we can do what we do in a way that actually is value-added to what he does. I mean, it's one thing to play a gig, and it's another thing to go play a gig and know that you're making the place better by being there. It doesn't always feel like that, you know? And he just has a a good heart about everything, too. He's been so supportive of this podcast and just music in general in this town, especially when it comes to local music. Yeah, absolutely. It's more guys like him that make the the difference, you know, because every every town has a group of talented people. Mm -hmm. You know, every town has its Ryan Oyers and its 
Dan Pinson's and it's, mm-hmm. you know, with the Joneses or whatever. But do you have clubs that, that support that? You have places where people can go and be able to be exposed to that kind of stuff. Dustin is a key figure in that. I mean, he's not and the only one. truly supporting it, paying his musicians and letting them true. reap benefits for all the work that they put into their craft. All right. So I'm going to do a song now that I dreamed of this song. I was on tour. I was in Columbus, Ohio. And in the middle of the night, I had this dream that I was at the Tremont Tavern's open mic. And I was supposed to play right after Noah Collins. Noah's kids were fussing. And so he had to go take care of his kids. And so I walked up to the mic and I said, well, Noah didn't get a chance to do his song, so I'm just going to do one of Noah's songs. And then I sang, and Noah's voice came out of my mouth. Because in my dreams, I can sound just like Noah Collins. And it's perfectly fine to take your children to a bar, apparently. But this was the actually a song I actually sang in the dream, and then I woke up like immediately after. And you know how you have like 30 seconds mm-hmm. to get, write it all down. That's what I, I just grabbed my notebook. I scribbled down what I could remember as best I could. And then I just happened to be a guitar, and I grabbed that to try and figure out what the chords were. And then I went back to bed and got up in the morning and fixed all the dumb stuff. And, uh, and this became my... Uh, my love letter. <laughs> and if you've gone to Tremont, you've probably heard Mike McDade sing the song. Yes. And it's your song. It's my and, well, no, it's not mine anymore. I wrote yeah. it, but it's his. And he also does this on his episode of Open Mic Spotlight, and it's on the first season. And, and you can go back and listen to and it. And on my on the record that this one appears on, Mike also plays guitar on it. Mm-hmm. That was really important when I recorded it, was to kind of represent all of that. So Travis Kilgore sings on it, Amber sings on it, Ryan sings on it, Haley Ram sings on it, Travis's kid plays melodica on it. But I wanted to get all the people that I knew from the open mic, because it was about that. It was about that community, mm-hmm. about that family. That's this nice. is called Glad That We're Together. Noah's at the corner bar, so everyone comes, here we are, thankful that we've made it through the weather. If the music's good, we'll stay out late, and everybody's feeling great, I don't see how this gets any better. I'm glad that we're together. Noah's wife has brought the kids I sometimes wish everybody did The young ones serve to make the good times better And Noah's wife was once my love It didn't last, cause nothing does But how awful things should stay the same forever I'm glad that we're together All the other misfits here are shaking hands and drinking beer and talking about the hellish year behind us. We share the good times, share the bad with the families that we choose to have as circumstances just serve to remind us that nothing still can stay the same. There's nothing so constant as change just points along the road to something better. Holding opposite directions The ones with whom we share affection Are constantly involved in new endeavors But tonight Even if it's just for tonight I'm glad that we're together
beautiful. Thanks. It's funny hearing someone else besides McDay do that. <laughs> well, I think he plays it a lot more often than I do these yeah. days. Yeah. So I usually play it on ukulele too, but that's another story altogether. Can we talk about your loop pedal setup? Yeah, right sure. Here? Mentioned this earlier that when I played on the street at the aquarium there, the first time I did it, I was like, what am I going to do? I have I have four hours to kill, but I had this loop pedal, and I thought, well, if I can just make stuff up, then I'll do that. So that's what I did. I, I would just literally make different soundscapes and loops and things and then just see whatever whatever worked, and it was awesome. And, and so that's how the whole looping thing got started. And then much, much later, well, again, if I worked out an arrangement of something with the loop pedal, then the first thing I would do is come down to the Tremont and set up all the stuff, you know. And God bless... Anybody who had to play at the Tremont the same night that I would come down, because sometimes it took me longer to set my crap up than the amount of time I spent playing. And I could get off stage very quickly, but it took a long time to set up. And that was just a big thing in dead air. It was so very indulgent on my part. So <laughs> big thanks to anybody, including Mike, who let me get away with doing mm-hmm. that. So. Uh, anyway, so this is one of the ones that I that I debuted at the Tremont, and uh, it's a Death Cab for Cutie song.
may tire of me As our December sun is setting Cause I'm not who I used to be No longer easy on the eyes But these wrinkles master flee disguise The youthful boy below Who turned your way and saw Something he was not looking for Both a beginning and an end Now he lives inside Someone he does not recognize When he catches his reflection on accident Stretched trying to take flight Leave it all behind But even at our swiftest speeds We couldn't break from the concrete In the city where we still reside And I have learned That even landlocked lovers yearn for the sea like navy men Cause now we say goodnight From our own separate sides Like brothers on a hotel bed Like brothers on a hotel bed Brothers on a hotel bed Like brothers on a hotel bed
That'll go on for a while. Man, that was so good. Thanks. Coming from a true Death Cab fangirl here. That was really good. Yeah, I really like that song a lot. It's a nerve-wracking experience. At one point, I had a little notebook. I had to write out what, what I do, the steps I have to mm-hmm. do to play that song in the order that I have to play them, and it took up two pages of this sketchbook I was using. I believe it. It's an interesting experience because you can't wing it. You have to do the next thing you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, you're constantly improvising because nothing ever goes exactly <laughs> the way you planned it to. Have you heard Ben Van Winkle do his thing? You know what? I've seen Ben play with Danimal and a couple of other places, but no, I've not seen his... Have you heard about it? Yeah, yeah. He does this crazy stuff with loop pedals, and he beatboxes, and he... I did a little thing for a while that I, I, I need to bring back. At the time, I called it loop stock, but I, I think I give it another name now. But it, it, was, like, it was like songwriters in the round, mm-hmm. except that everybody who did it was a, was a looper. The reason why I wanted to do that was because I had, again, through the Tremont, sort of got the reputation as the guy in town who does the looping. But mm-hmm. Kevin Klein was here at the time, and he'd been doing it f- uh, for a long time. When I moved here, Charles Allison had not yet formed any one of the half a dozen bands he's had in the last 10 years. And he was doing a loop thing as as well. And and part of it, of wanting to do the loop stock thing, was was because... People knew me as the guy that did this, and I wasn't the only guy that did it. There were people who had been doing it longer than me, and at that time, much better than me. I did a few of those. I did those at the Market Street Tavern. It was a great room for that. And then that room sort of went away. The Market Street went away, so I hadn't I haven't really found a place yet. It's such a great skill. I mean, it takes time. It, it You have to set up all the junk, and then you have to learn how to use it all. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and that's a really tricky thing. You so know? who does it in town now? You, Danimal? Ben Van Winkle? Charles, when he's not playing with Okunawa, he'll still do it. Mm-hmm. Although he doesn't play out as much as, as he used to. And I don't know anybody else right now in town who's doing it. But that doesn't mean that there's not some kid who who shows up at the well on Mondays and kills it, you know? Mm-hmm. Back in November, I played the Texas Loop Fest. Mm-hmm. So I got to meet a lot of people from all over the place. There's a who, whole festival just for loopers? Yeah, 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 yeah. What? And they come from... And they come from musically from all over the place too. styles that's incredible so the first guy to do what we would call looping and it wasn't really sound like what i just did or what most people who we think of you know singer songwriters who loop the first guy to do it was uh robert fripp who'd make these giant take delays that were literally like a reel-to-reel that was stretched around a mic stand four feet away to create these long delays and then he would play against those and it was real ambient real spacey sounding and so some of the guys at the loop festival were guys had had been basically doing that since they since do people still use that no yeah (laughs) no everybody uses a loop pedal now But that was the thing. I mean, those guys were those guys were hacking through the woods with a machete, and the, the loop pedal doesn't exist without mm-hmm. those guys doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But what's cool is that there were people who had been involved in it in one form or another, you know, since the '80s, really. You know, and that was that was pretty amazing to see. And then there's a sound. There's a kind of person who does it. It was awesome to be a part of. Um, Very cool. But yeah. Learn something new every day. <laughs> you hope. Loop pedal festival. It's pretty rad. I want you to play one more song. Okay. But before that, who is Mr. Butch Ross? <laughs> what do you like to do when you're not 
playing music all over the place? N- nothing. I, al- I always say if I'm doing something, that means I'm not doing something else. I'm never bored. Mm-hmm. And, and there's always something to be done. I'm a one-man organization, so I'm the booker, I'm the business manager, I'm the publicist. It's a lot. And somewhere in there I have to make content, as they would say. Yeah. And I teach. I have students that I teach and and all of that. Dulcimer, guitar? Uh, Dulcimer, guitar, and ukulele. I have a bunch of different ones. You know, if you were to tell me, hey, you have have no demands today, do whatever you want with your time, I would play dulcimer, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) So. Hey, so are you going to do another one with some loop pedals? I'll do an instrumental. This one's going to be on the new record as well. So a lot of what I do, and really talk about this, I do covers of things. Of course, I write my own stuff as well. But another thing I do a lot of is play traditional music but play traditional music in a really non-traditional way or maybe come up with, like, weird backdrops. Or mm-hmm. or rock. use a dulcimer in a Death Cab for Cutie song. Or I use mean. a dulcimer in a Death Cab for Cutie song, exactly. <laughs> so this is actually an old fiddle, and I don't even know if it's a fiddle tune. I always associate it with Mardi Gras, but it's called Little Liza Jane. Mm-hmm. And then I do what I can to make it not sound like a traditional song. So here we go.
Lovely. Thank you. It's a fun one to play. I like to change all the bass notes and make yeah. it sound like a different song. And, yeah, it was great. And all that stuff. It was awesome. Thank, thank you so much for coming on today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs>